Welcome back to Troubled, a podcast by survivors of institutional abuse for survivors and the general public. Super quick uh, clarifications, updates, and then we're just going to get into today. We have a desperate all hands on deck, all survivors and advocates needed for a situation in Florida. Um, prior to that, let me just say, you guys haven't heard from us in a while, and also I apologize for the audio quality, because as many of you know, if we're connected on other social medias, myself, Miranda, um, I'm in the process of moving cross-country. Y'all know I've been living off-grid for the past couple years with no power. It's The struggle is real, but I think that I'm probably a good case of what survivors go through with chronic homelessness or housing insecurity or job issues or just poverty, just poverty and the mental health and all that jazz. We started Troubled. um, It launched on New Year's 2020 as a way to not die. This was a, this is my last ditch resort. I need to get my story out and be proactively involved so that I don't die while I'm waiting for therapy. Um, We're a year and a half into therapy, although I'm going to be losing therapy when I move across the country. Uh, EMDR, for those of you who haven't tried it, hate it. Hate EMDR. I do think it's really working though. So there is that. So you haven't heard from us in a while because um, it's too hot to record without a fan, um, don't have air conditioners, of course, and, and we're in Texas, so that's not a thing. Also, per the audio quality, y'all know we recorded all of season one on my cell phone in the Prius, which, for those of you who know that it was sitting uh, since it broke down in August of last year, it did get towed this week. If I do get it back, I will be driving cross-country in the fixed Prius. We are so excited. It took a year for me to save up my stimuluses and my tax returns to be able to fix my car and get out of Texas. Um, So that's where we're at. But my phone no longer allows for headsets or earbuds. So everything is just speakerphone, which is horrible, and we don't want to do that to you. So as soon as I get cross-country in some air conditioner with some electricity and Wi-Fi. Um, hopefully, uh, we can upgrade our equipment. I don't know. You know, everything's going to be on a miracle. But also, we haven't been uh, touching base on the survivor part of the experience as well out of genuine fear. Uh, there will be a prolonged, in-depth look at what's been going on inside our survivor community. If you're an ally or advocate, um, you know, just put on a cup of coffee, take a piss, whatever. But to survivors, if you're a survivor and you're in the survivor groups on Facebook, you already know what I'm talking about. Over the last few months, many of you have seen um, survivors weaponized against each other. Um, there's a lot of infighting and um horrible horrible dramaness that none of us signed up for unfortunately it uh, has gone further than we would have liked into our absolute worst uh the worst case freaking scenario man a lot of us kind of got out of the larger survivor community last year when this started uh just focused kept our heads down worked with our teams and got our jobs done but we're now at a point where we've realized that in the last year Uh, Multiple survivors have had the cops and CPS called on them by other survivors that they were interacting with on the internet based on concerning Facebook posts, either that they would hurt themselves or others. Let's just be real, okay? Survivors of the troubled teen industry like myself and like yourself, if you're here listening with me, miss you guys. Uh, We have mental health issues. We are specific peer-on-peer abuse culture through the Sinanon cult spawn tough love industry is something that we carry with us. We always have issues dealing 
dealing with peer culture, especially in a group dynamic. And you all know that. I know that. We all know that we've been trained to go for the jugular, find someone's weakness and use it against them to have some sort of control over the authority. So to see survivors utilizing our training, if you will, against each other is absolutely horrifying. My main fears, because it's happened in the past, is being institutionalized against my will. It's something that could still happen. And it is something that has happened to multiple survivors who have come to me over the past year because of these survivor Facebook groups and the survivor on survivor double trauma bullying jazz that's going on. So we've been talking with therapists, we've been talking with our team, and we hope that we can sit down with some of those people who've been dealing with this over the past year with a therapist so that we can look at why this happens in our community, what we can do to protect ourselves and our friends, because ultimately what this has come down to is a choice for our own safety or being involved in the larger collective movement. Now, again, like I said, for me, uh, that's just, I've just opted to isolate and deal with my team and focus on Missouri and focus on New York and focus on justice for Cornelius. And now we're going to be focusing on Florida. Um, so that's what I chose to do, but it's also gotten to the point where it's pretty horrific. In fact, a few weeks ago, in a period of four days, three people three survivors, one, I'm sorry, one of which is the mother of a survivor, but three people within the survivor community had the police come to their home because of Facebook posts in, in just a few days. That's, uh, that's crazy. Uh, we have footage of those, some of those police interviews. We have requested the 911 calls. We have requested the records. Um, this is a very real thing that's really going on. Multiple survivors have been institutionalized against their will because of the system being weaponized against them by survivors from these police and CPS calls. Multiple survivors have lost custody of their children. So this is not a drill. This is very serious. We have known that this was escalating or going on for quite some time. We hadn't said anything on the podcast out of fear of retaliation, because as many of you also know, there are a shit ton, a literal shit ton of lawsuits happening within the survivor community. We've got C&Ds going on. We've got all the jazz between different organizations, who's who, all this craziness. The personal C&Ds, these personal phone calls are very scary for survivors like myself who are living in homelessness and are parents. That's why I sent my daughter to live with my parents safely to avoid any of these kinds of situations. Um, so I just wanted to, I said it was going to be brief, you guys. I promised it was going to be brief and I lied. I just haven't talked to you in so long. I miss you guys. I really do miss you. This is what's been so, uh, such a fucking bummer about this. The podcast Troubled was what I did to heal, what I did to connect. You know, like this was a very therapeutic, cathartic relationship initially. And it isn't safe anymore. It didn't feel safe to me when people, you know, started to write books and use the name and then come at me for how that was my fault. It didn't feel safe when little comments that we were making on the podcast were being used against us in the social media. And I don't feel safe making any sort of comments or criticisms about what's been going on without expecting some sort of lawsuit. Um, and that's just really unfortunate. We should not be doing this to each other. And we'll 
do whatever we can that's within our power to fight this. But for me personally, I need to get out of homelessness into a house that's suitable to the system with air conditioning and running water and a toilet and all these fancy first world luxuries that I've been going without for a while before I start to stand up against these people with this money because I don't have the money to fight them. I only have the truth to stand on and I just don't want to put my family at risk. So getting past why you haven't heard from us, there is a lot. We've been doing a ton of stuff. There's a lot in back order like there has been. Um, So expect those to drop. August through on, you should be getting weekly podcasts from us. Uh, We're going to be dropping a couple more of the series this year and hopefully partnering to get a a bigger bigger growth. And and speaking of that, if you want to help us out, rate and write a review for us on Apple iTunes. We really need people to hear us. And back to the reason that I picked up my phone and I'm standing in the RV with all this heat and I'm just going to, I'm going to die on this. Uh, The whole point of uh, this update is that there is a situation in Florida. So many of you have seen this, but what we have are we have two teenagers, 14 year old Nicole Jackson Maldonado, who has been in congregate care in the foster care system since she was seven years old and 12 year old Travis O'Brien. They escaped from an abusive troubled teen industry fertility called uh, fertility. Did anybody else? Uh, I'm not going to edit this. So this is just a fun moment. It's called First United Methodist Children's Home. Um, It had over 300 sheriff visits in 2020 alone. There are many pictures of 14-year-old Nicole Jackson Maldonado with bruises on both of her wrists that do appear to be from restraints. So she and Travis, 14 and 12, escaped the home. They broke into a neighboring house. There were guns in the house. The police were called on them because someone heard them breaking a window to break into the house. And they had a standoff with the police. The car that 14-year-old foster child Nicole was using to shield herself from the police had over 11 bullets counted by local news reporters in that car. She was shot in the chest and the arm by the police. And this 14-year-old foster child is now being tried as an adult in Florida with charges of attempted murder of law enforcement, which carries a mandatory life sentence if she is convicted and sentenced as an adult in Florida. Now, 12-year-old Travis O'Brien is being tried as a juvenile. We have a lot less access to him because he's in JV. If there's anyone hearing this who's in the system, we have some calls with social workers at the beginning of next week to see how we can get in touch with Travis and start working with his team. Um, But if you're hearing this and you're like, I know how to do that, especially in Florida, well, hit us up. Miranda at talktroubled.org. Our website is www.com talktrouble.org. Hit us up. We definitely need your help. Remember, we are a nonprofit. We originally filed for our nonprofit like a year ago. I think we're almost at our year mark. We haven't released any of that information. Um, and the reason being per all that jazz I told you about earlier, another survivor nonprofit, oh, I'm sorry, LLC had a, a home address on their paperwork and it was thrown all around the internet. And I understand that those the informations are public and we should all know that. So if you're going to go start a business or a nonprofit, 
it and you're like, it's no big deal if I just use my home address as my registered agent. Uh, you're freaking wrong because if somebody doesn't like you, they're going to put your address out all over the world and be like, hey, it was public info anyways. And then, yeah, like we've seen, uh, there are alleged complaints of people harassing them at their home, having to go stay at a hotel to protect themselves. So we've paid um, $300 to switch our registered agent away from one of our home addresses is what it is. And so it'll take about 30 days. And in 30 days, we will give you guys all the good news and all the ways you can work with and help the nonprofit. But we're definitely 100% about supporting these kids. Um, This is a new area. Remember, we're getting pretty good with legislative. We're getting pretty good with shutting the programs down. Um, But dealing with the juvie especially, and we've only dealt with one survivor in adult jail this year. Um, So please, please, please let us know if you can help us. Uh, But we're very, very concerned. So Nicole, being in foster care since she was seven, she was born in Puerto Rico. There's a lot of rumors and allegations going around about her home situation. Um, Some that said that her mother had sex trafficked her. Uh, I, I, I don't know uh, what we want to put out as fact, you guys. There's just so much rumor and unsubstantiated claims going around there. Um, so what I can say is there were definitely 300 sheriff visits to this location in 2020 alone that we do have pictures that appear to show restraint bruises, that Nicole was very open, that she was very unhappy, that she didn't know what to do anymore. Um, And then these kids fled, had the shootout with the police, and they're now facing, at least she is, a mandatory life sentence if she is convicted as an adult in Florida. So we desperately need your help. Check the show notes. We do have the commissary information for Nicole. I do believe she's officially been transferred from the hospital to the county jail in Florida. So her commissary information will be there. And like I said, we've already reached out to her attorney. So as soon as we can get direct contact and figure out if there's an escrow account from her or what else anyone can do. But what I will say is if there is anyone who is a survivor of First United Methodist Children's Home in Florida, please reach out to us. I think that we should start immediately collecting testimony from survivors. This program has been around since 1908 and it's religious in Florida. So I think it's safe to say without Googling a gander how horrible me right like look i'm kind of just making shit up but i'm pretty confident that that facility was started to house the indigenous children during the violent and deplorable assimilation of the indigenous youth in america where they were in mass abducted from their families detained abused raped tortured and killed right so pretty confident this is one of those usually when they're from the early 1900s and they're religious that's what they started as um They were forced to stop taking emergency sheltering foster kids because of this shooting. We're hoping that we can get enough attention on this location right now so that hopefully we can close this location. It doesn't sound like there's any redeemable qualities if you pretty much have sheriffs coming out there all but two months out of the year. So that's pretty incredible. So check the show notes for ways that you can donate to Nicole's commissary. If anyone knows how to help them or is a survivor of that location, please reach out to us. We definitely want to do whatever we can to make sure that the system that created this situation with these children doesn't get to hide from their responsibility by burying the evidence, which is these kids. And hey, reminder to all you taxpayers, including myself, we're all collectively complicit in this. Seriously. We have allowed them to create a predatory foster care and CPS system in the United States of America, which is really, you know, Turtle Island under occupation. We've allowed them to create that. We have 
funded it. So we paid for the way that Nicole was taken care of since she was seven years old. And look what they have done. And so she's a Puerto Rican girl. He's a little blonde, uh, I assume, Irish-American kid. And I think it goes without saying that, thank God, these weren't two black kids because they'd be dead. So you can hate on me for that all you want. But the reality with it being Juneteenth this last week, and we have 22 states filing legislative motions to repeal critical race theory or not talk about systemic racism in public schools, I think it says a lot about this country. And so this is just another example There are kids like this going through this all over the place, right? But we can't let any of them fall through the cracks. That's the whole point. So please, please join us in trying to help Nicole and Travis in Florida. If you have any ideas, we are all ears. And how you can help the podcast, make sure you rate, write a review for us. Check out our website. We are Talk Troubled on all the socials. We really, really need your help, guys. And I will be in transit for the next week. So forgive me if I'm super flaky per usual. Um, and we just really appreciate all you guys. And we really look forward to this next stage, especially with the nonprofit once it goes 501c3, being able to get involved a little bit deeper and a little bit more on top with this kind of advocacy. And thank you guys so much because seriously, like, I don't know that you guys consider this, but without you, without our podcast audience, team, tribe, whatever you want to call it, Circle of Hope would still be open. They wouldn't be behind bars there wouldn't be HB 557 and 560, which was signed in Missouri and is waiting on the governor's signature. None of that would have happened. I just want to be so clear. Like, we know that. We realize that it's because of you that we've gotten this far. And and to be fair, props to the team. One year. We've only been around for one year as a solid team. And look what we've been able to accomplish in Missouri. We really believe in teamwork. We really do. And we are so blessed to have each other and to have you. So we hope that you will stay with us. And we hope that more groups and teams will start focusing and we can support them. Because this is a big fight. This is global. And even just in the U.S., this is going to take a while. But hey, Let's not worry about the long, long road because we've surprised ourselves this year and I'm still super surprised. So thank you guys. Thank you guys. Please, please look into all the links in the show notes on the Nicole and Travis situation. We've posted videos on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Remember, at Talk Troubled. Please help us spread the word. And if anybody has a good idea for a catchy hashtag for this one, let me know. I ran out after justice for Cornelius and that certainly wasn't unique, but it works. All right. Talk to you guys soon.